You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Uh, this week, I have Dr. Steve Supan back on the program to talk a bit more about uh, meat inspection. Last time Steve was on, we were talking about Brazil. This time, we're talking about the United States. Uh, Steve just submitted a comment to the USDA about a rule rollback that would allow companies to essentially speed up their lines. Um, but we're going to talk more broadly about what meat inspection looks like in the United States and how that affects the rest of the world. Um, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Josh. Um, so when I think about meat inspection in the US, the first thing I think about is the jungle um, and really awful conditions. Obviously, it's been almost a century since then. Um, but uh, let's start with the broad view. Um, how has uh, inspection of packing plants in the U.S. historically worked? Maybe since the jungle. Well, you know, so, so the Federal Meat Inspection Act of 1906 um, has been updated, uh, major update in 1967, and then minor updates since then. But the basic plan of inspection is to have uh, federal meat inspectors and federal veterinarians uh, uh, do the work because uh, of the conflict of interest that arises if the, uh, if the plant employees themselves are doing um, inspection and then sampling uh, of meat to, uh, to verify that it complies with the Federal Meat Inspection Act. And so this, uh, this rule rollback would essentially allow for self-inspection which uh, a lot of people have argued would lead to higher line speeds. So you talk about the conflict of interest, but how does how would the rule rollback actually work? So th this is uh, you know this is a a, a rule change that um, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has been um, has been piloting since the Clinton administration. And what the industry is, has said is well. Um, you know, we will, we will take over uh, inspection. And so the only federal employees that need to be present in the meat inspection plant would be uh, veterinarians. And the veterinarians will look at uh, uh, live animals that have been sorted out by the plant employees to determine whether or not they are fit to be slaughtered. So uh, the, the rule, um, when it was first presented, uh, was challenged in court by the Meat Inspectors Union uh, and the Commun uh, Community Nutrition Institute, whose executive director, Rod Leonard, was an ITP board member. And, uh, and the, the Court of Appeals ruled that USDA was violating um, the, uh, the Federal Meat Inspection Act and the Federal uh, and the Poultry Inspection Act with with this rule change. And so they said, well, you, you've got to find a way to make this uh, delegation of USDA authority to the meat inspection, in, in meat inspection, legal. And so uh, that's what, uh, you know, courts generally defer to regulatory agencies when they come back with a solution uh, in a court case. And, uh, and the solution was to create this uh, a database of um, of meat inspection uh, uh, data and other kind of sanitary operating procedure data in the meat inspection plan. And that was supposed to prove 
that privatized inspection would be, as they say, more modern and, uh, and have a better um, uh, performance than government inspection. So, uh, you know, that's where uh, the rule has stood, except that according to the, both the General Accountability Office and the USDA's own Office of the Inspector General, um, after more than 15 years of trying to produce this data, uh, the Food Safety Inspection Service of the U.S. Department of Agriculture has been unable to produce comprehensive um, and reliable data showing that privatized inspection is a superior way of, uh, of inspecting meat. And so, um, clearly, delegating to industry, <laughs> as you say, hasn't been that effective. But what the worry is, um, is not just the, um, whether or not there will be more foodborne illness, but this is um, expected to lead to higher line speeds because, like you said, of the conflict of interest where company employees have an incentive to keep the line going, um, which in turn uh, potentially is going to lead to um, less safety in the plants. Um, talk about that. So, you know, USDA will tell you right off the bat that it has no authority, no legal authority uh, to uh, set line speeds in terms of um, in terms of worker safety. They say, well, that's a job for the Occupational um, uh, Safety and Health Administration, except, of course, that uh, OSHA does not have effective authority in the meat plants. And so the, uh, the, the rule, the proposed rule for uh, privatization of, of uh, pork and hog slaughter and pork meat inspection um, is supposed to be set according to public health criteria. And yet, you know, there's plenty of data to show that, uh, you know, that meat, meat packing plant workers are injured at a higher rate, suffer from uh, all kinds of uh, chronic health problems due to the uh, the lines production line speed and the configuration and the meat industry said no 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 we are, we're not going to speed up the uh, 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 the production we just want uh, flexibility to organize our production in the most efficient manner which is a euphemism for speeding up um, the lines and, and but USDA simply tries to kind of wall off the relationship between uh, worker safety and food safety through you know the usual kind of regulatory um, balkanization of, of meat production. And we see a lot of uh, industry taking advantage of some of this gray area in the meat industry in particular because it kind of straddles these two fields. I know we had shared around an article um, recently in, in the office about um, the being able to use agricultural workers to actually construct some of the hog confinements um, and so it just goes to show um, how the meat industry kind of is able to take advantage of some of being in both worlds. Um, but what I want to talk about next is that, you know, in the United States, we have a lot of cheap meat. Um, I would speculate that probably we, we've reached kind of peak cheap meat consumption in the U.S. Um, and so a lot of the reason they want to be able to speed up these lines and get these uh, rule changes into effect is for the export market. Um, so, uh, 
we know that there's a lot of um, KFO construction going on now, but um, talk a little bit about how that's that's working. And um, you know, you had talked a bit about you know meat inspection coming into the United States, but how does the inspection process work going out of the United States? Well, so you know, the way that that, that meat inspection is supposed to work is that in, in international trade is that the, the USDA negotiates what is called an equivalence agreement um, with, uh, with trading, you know, foreign trading partners, governments in, in trade agreements according to which uh, the importing country has uh, authority uh, to accept or reject the idea that um, the USDA's, in this case the USDA's uh, procedures for meat inspection, for meat and hygiene generally, um, uh, you know, conform, provide an equivalent, uh, equivalent me measure protection. And the way that this equivalent measure protection is, uh, is measured is uh, usually in terms of uh, extent of foodborne illness or, um, or a, a pathogenic or harmful uh, a bacterial count in the meat, but there's lots of there's lots of um, impediments in the actual um, reinspection process. For example, when the when the United States ships meat, uh, it's usually frozen, uh, and so frozen meat, of course, is very difficult to expect. It, it, it comes in two thousand pound blocks, um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulties with uh, with the reinspection process in in trade policy, which is why you want to make your um, your original inspection and testing process rigorous, uh, because the process in the in the uh, port of entry you know situation where there are relatively few employees to do re meet reinspection is uh, you know is fairly sketchy. You know we we have kind of this. I mean there are a lot of I guess I would say sketchy rules regarding all sorts of exports and obviously. Uh, meat and food is a big part of that, which is, you know, one of the reasons we have so many concerns with some of these free trade agreements. Um, but I think what's particularly interesting recently is that a lot of, especially in, in, in hogs, um, China has been the major market um, that companies are looking to build new construction, new CAFOs, so that they can tap into the China, ex, you know, export market to China. Um, and uh, there's been uh, quite a bit of writing actually about how China is actually kind of treating the United States as sort of a banana republic for, for meat consumption, where they're, they're forcing a lot of the negative externalities of the meat industry into the United States. Um, now, of course, we're in the middle of a, a lot of bellicosity around trade with China. But it, it seems like this rule is basically, you know, in part designed to just make it easier for them to continue to put those externalities on us, right? Well, I think the whole, you know, the, the whole production system, the integration system, um, you know, if, if you um, want to believe the agribusiness press, uh, the United States can absorb uh, in terms of public health and envir environmental health, uh, a lot more confined animal feed operations. Indeed, the proposal for the next farm bill is to uh, shift uh, money that is actually supposed to be used for good 
uh, agricultural conservation practices to supporting, um, you know, the creation of more manure lagoons and other operations that the CAFO should be, pay, the confined animal feed operations should be paying for themselves, but instead the public um, is absorbing the cost. Uh, and, you know, when you put, when you put um, uncomposted manure on agricultural land, which these CAFOs do on a regular basis, um, the agricultural runoff uh, results in the contamination of, of uh, you know, produce and, and now even wheat, you know. So the, the, the CAFO system is creating um, new uh, sites, new um, problems in the contamination by harmful bacteria, uh, products that used to never be uh, uh, contaminated by you know, E. coli or, or salmonella. Um, and, and uh, you know, none of that is taken into account in the design of the Farm Bill, nor indeed in the design of our trade policy. And so, you know, people who say, oh, IATP is just anti-trade are very wrong. What, what we are is for trading safely. And right now we are not doing that. And so just to, to close, there are a lot of organizations who have their eye on this, this rule change and are particularly concerned about line speeds. I know the UFCW has, has uh, made a big deal about it. Oxfam has been working on it, um, other, other groups. Um, what is being done to uh, slow down some of the deregulation or even reverse the trends with regard to food and worker safety in meatpacking? Well, you know, the, the agency that's most directly concerned with worker safety should be the Occupational um, you know, Health and Safe, uh, Safety and Health Administration. But, um, you know, USDA uh, has this authority to set line speeds. Uh, this rule would allow the companies to set the line speeds. Um, but the, the criteria for setting line speeds is supposed to be um, this public health performance, as indicated by eight classes of, of indicators, uh, Food and Water Watch produced a remarkable study uh, through Freedom Inf Information Act obtained data from uh, the USDA showing that um, government uh, meat inspected plants far outperformed um, the privatized inspection plants. And so if the USDA were honest about this kind of comparative assessment, it would conclude, no, it's a lot smarter um, to have government inspectors, government veterinarians uh, performing the food safety controls in, uh, in not just you know, hog slaughterhouses, but also poultry processing plants. And the, the industry wants to extend this privatized uh, inspection system to beef slaughterhouses which would produce you know, yet another series of uh, complications because these slaughterhouses are just so huge and so, and so prone to contamination. So it's, it's just a, a you know, I, I think um, USDA is under enormous uh, pressure from Congress to do what the meat industry wants. And uh, they keep trying to come up with uh, this public health data system should show that uh, their superior performance uh, in privatized inspection after more than 15 years, they haven't been able to do it. Uh, it's time to pull the plug 
on that um, on, on those pilot projects, um, expanding uh, a hog slaughterhouse privatized inspection from the five pilot project plants to 237 um, large uh, hog slaughterhouses is really an invitation, um, both for you know great increase to uh, of injury to worker safety and. Uh, production of uh, meat that is contaminated with uh, harmful bacteria. All right. Well, Steve, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. Uh, for more information about what you've heard today, including to read Steve's blog, uh, USDA to Hog Slaughterhouses, Choose to Your Own Faster Production Speed, you can uh, visit our website at www.iatp.org. I want to remind you that this podcast is also available for download on iTunes, Stitcher, and play. Uh, please give us a rating if you like what you hear. Uh, I want to thank Andrew Risso for editing the podcast. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email jwise at iatp.org. Thanks for listening.